for our reading this morning. And my thanks to June as well for her prayers. I was making a note as we sung that last song. Eternity's sure. We, not just me, not just you, we will enter and it will be beautiful. It's good to remember this morning that regardless of the struggles in the world, we are the communion of the saints. And our passage today reminds us a lot about what that means. But first, I wonder if any of you are in the habit of signing off your text messages, your emails, and so on, in a very dis distinctive way? Is there something special that you do? If so, does it vary depending on the person receiving that message? Perhaps kiss, kiss, hug, hug won't be all right going to your boss at work. <laughs> More likely than not, you reserve that for special relationships, your loved ones, people who mean a lot to you, to put a smile on their faces. Over the past few weeks, we've been reflecting on an email that Paul sent to a, a church in Philippi. I jest, it was a letter. It was a, a few years ago. A letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in a place called Philippi. I'd encourage you to read it. Four chapters, one of the shorter letters he wrote. If you're like me and a bit <clears throat> um, resourceful, you can just listen to it on audio. It's 16 minutes, front to back, four chapters. It's a beautiful letter that shows Paul's heart for that church, how much he loves them. And today, we find ourselves at the end of this letter. So what words did Paul use to sign off with? What was the lasting impression he wanted to leave them with? No spoiler alerts here, it wasn't, it wasn't kiss, kiss, hug, hug. He said this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This will be our mantra that we unpack and flesh out this morning. Because I believe there is a core question at the heart of what it means to live the Christian life. How are we to live in relation to the world? Think about the world around us, the wars, the struggles, what does the world need? If you could act, what's the one thing you would do? Hold that solution in your mind. Do hold on to it. And maybe we'll compare it with how Paul's letter addresses the question. Given the way he signs off though, we can see that Paul's answer is completely wrapped up in the grace of Jesus. No surprises there. We have been learning over the past few weeks that for Paul, it's Jesus or bust. Nothing else will do. 
So he hasn't written them a paper on international relations or macroeconomics. But he does know all about the world's problems. Things like war, poverty, exploitation. They aren't a new modern invention. Back in his time, Jerusalem was facing strife, much like today. It was under Roman occupation. And Paul was a tent maker, eking out a hard living as he went about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. As he writes this letter, he's locked up, his liberty and his freedom restricted. Still, it's to the grace of God that Paul wants us to shift our gaze when we think of our need and the need of others and the needs of the world. I can't help but thinking, is Paul just rehearsing some kind of religious words that make you feel good? Or is this something we can actually turn to in the real world? I say yes. I say yes wholeheartedly. But first, we have to dig a little bit deeper. You see, when it comes to this question of need, I think there's a deeper question at the back of it. What's really in play is what we think about God. What do we believe about God's character? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. We start our services with a declaration. We often say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's how we meet, that's why we meet, that's for whom we meet. Ours is a triune God, a God of faithful love, eternal fellowship and communion. Scripture tells us of the Father saving the Son and also saving the Spirit. God sends God to the other creation, that's us. We are not God, we are other than God, but God still sends himself to us. Because God delights in the other. We should delight in the other. For some reason, unbeknownst to us, God's will is to accomplish his purposes through us through you, and you, and me. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with our spirit. And I say rejoice. This is a very celebratory idea. We should be dancing in the streets because our destiny is wrapped up in this love of this God who would send himself to us. In verse 10, Paul started, he said, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. Paul is content in every situation. He knows what it is to be in need. He knows what it is to have plenty. But as far as he's concerned, it's an open secret that either way, it's through the power of God that Paul can stand. 
And that led us to that famous phrase that says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul is laying everything on God. This is really deep spiritual thinking. I would argue this is the truth at the core of our reality. But notice though, Paul is talking in terms of friendship, fellowship. Like with Abraham, who is called the friend of God. Um, speaking of his people in, in Isaiah, this is Isaiah 41, the Lord says, but you whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, you are my servant. This is the same Abraham through whom all nations will be blessed. Our needs are met on the basis of friendship. Jesus makes it even more plain. In John 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Here is my paraphrase. I have called you friends for everything that I have received from my father, I have made freely available to you. My needs, your needs, all met on the basis of friendship with Jesus. And so Paul has good grounds to pray the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Jesus no longer calls us servants, he calls us friends. And I have in mind the deepest possible friendship. Comrades, in a common cause, this is the template that Paul is offering to us. Communion. What it does though, it takes us from the realms of spiritual abstract concepts and brings it down into the nitty-gritty, into the real world. This is God business we're doing. It's how God wills it. His spirit of friendship and communion being the thing that holds us together as we practice this Jesus way of living. When we make what is ours, freely available to the other. Is there someone who you would do something for or who would do something for you without awkwardness or thought of reward or payback? Such a person is a true sister, a true brother, a true friend. Not with strings attached or a heavy burden of social etiquette where you feel obliged to follow up and do something back. Um, you all probably know someone who is like really good at gift giving. Um, I'm not that person. <laughs> they never miss a birthday, never miss an anniversary. 
And then there are those who go one level higher. They're like Olympic medal candidates. They, um, they'll make you a nice, thoughtful gift because you give them a lift for taking in, a, uh, taking in a delivery while they were out. So much so that you don't wave across them uh, across the high street because you're worried they think, oh, that was a nice thing you do, here's a gift. It can get a bit awkward, can't it? Oh, and okay, I'm very conscious that we are 50 days away from Christmas. I said it as well, Jean, sorry. 50 days from Christmas. So this isn't me providing anyone with the excuse. Well, Deji said we shouldn't give gifts. No, that's not what I'm doing at all. But like we read from verse 14, it is good to share in each other's troubles. It's divinely glorious when we're able to inject that little bubble of joy into someone else's life. And Paul's ministry has been costly. Not for him, the superstar apostle life. Like I said, he was a tent maker. He had to work for his bread. Locked up eh, a number of times. But whatever the cost, did you notice that Paul regarded himself paid in full? That's what he says at the beginning of verse 18. The Philippians don't owe him, nor does he owe them. That's not how it is between friends. If there's a ledger that's being kept, guess what? We're not the ones keeping it. And so may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with our spirit. Because even from the beginning of this letter we're reading in chapter 1, Paul let us know that our way of relating to one another cannot be about keeping score. He sets out partnership as the model. Let me read from chapter 1 just briefly, verses 3 to 5. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very beginning. Partnership. I was similarly thanking God last week. And forgive me, this is a, a personal anecdote. Um, I think it's relevant. Uh, you may not be aware, there are three of us here at St. John's who are training for ordination um, to serve in the church. And we were all up in Derbyshire last week for a full week. One particular evening, I received some news from home that caused me great distress. Particularly uh, as I wasn't there to look after my family. To be honest, I was livid. I can't remember the last time I was this angry. But I was here to draw near to God, to learn more about his love for me so one day I might be of use to his people. So that wasn't gonna work. The rage was so intense I couldn't shake it however much I tried. I'd love to stand up here and tell you that yes, when I was preparing this sermon, the spirit came upon me and it all just melted away. But sorry, folks. I needed God. And she ministered to me. 
I say she because I spoke to a number of people, four women who are also training, got me through that somehow. One prayed for me as we sat outside the dining hall in front of everyone. But that's, that's normal at theological college. Um, the others comforted me. The others prayed for my situation. In my time of need, it was through my church. It was through these people that God held me until I could remember to look up. We all go through difficult times. I, I, I do want to be clear. This was difficult for me, but on the grand scale of things, I get that it's probably not, but I just, uh, it's very fresh in my memory, that's why I'm relating it. But we all go through difficult times. I would have loved to have been the kind of person who could have just shaken it off, I mean, that's super duper Christian, but up, hang about, I don't think we are called to be that. Things aren't perfect, but I remember their care for me with joy. And I thank God for our partnership. Because if we aren't holding each other in this way, can we really say we're following the way of Jesus? It may not always be like this for you when you're among God's people. For some reason or other, I haven't learned your story. I haven't taken the time to know what you're about. Can this change today? for all of us, so that it doesn't take intense or exceptional circumstances before we be even become aware of what's going on in our lives. I think this is how Paul sees things working, meeting one another's needs on the basis of friendship. Partnership, not based on gain, not based on honor, Paul's in chains, he's got no honor. He couldn't reciprocate even if he wanted to. But he's not without agency. He gives of himself and he gives of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to look with God's eyes around us and try to notice what's going on so we can share in the troubles of that other. I like verse 18. When we do this, our attempts, it doesn't say whether they're success, sorry, successful or failures, but our attempts, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you it's going to be easy, straightforward, but I can say with joy that when it comes to grappling with our needs, Paul wants us to shift that gaze upwards, not inwards, upwards. Individually, I might feel like, oh, I've got some resources that could help you or help you. I've got time, I've got empathy, you know, I've got some skill sets. But that's not, wall. that's not what Paul puts in front of us. He says that first, we seek God. We seek that grace of Jesus. 
That's where our faith is rooted in the grace of Jesus. I like how the NRSV puts it in verse 19. Paul writes this, and my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It's God who will satisfy all these needs. We ought to press into this. Every need satisfied in the glory of Jesus. Jesus who is God, but let's not forget Jesus who is human, where heaven and earth meet, where our needs are met. So here is boundless wealth, boundless love, guaranteed faithfulness. Jesus is the very cure for our souls. What gift could compare? But I think sometimes, because we're talking such high stakes, we easily presume that, how can I put this, that there's nothing we can contribute. And this is the beauty of Philippians. Paul reminds us that it is the will of God, almighty, God divine, that in Jesus Christ, and because of Jesus Christ, we are included in this work, the work of restoring the world, reconciling everything so things can be right and harmonious. This is, of course, the gospel, the good news. That other apostle, Peter, along with John, there's a story in Act 3 where they come across a lame beggar and Peter says, in, in Peter's own way, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I freely give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise. Scripture tells us that Peter took that man by the hand, helped him up, and instantly his ankles became strong and began to walk. He took him by the hand. This man was lame from birth. Everyone knew it. Yet in the name of Jesus, the impossible became possible. Friends, I believe that this is the shift that needs to happen. This is what Philippians reveals to us. God wants us to meet each other's needs. And the same goes for the world. And things can seem impossible at times, insurmountable, the struggles so daunting, the grief so great. It can be overwhelming, and I'm not ashamed to say this morning that I have these thoughts. Presumably you do too. I reckon so did Peter, so did Paul. It wasn't out of their own sense of what they were capable of that they acted, but they chose to act. And they affected the world in the name of Jesus. They were no longer defined by their weakness. They stepped into God's glorious grace. Sisters and brothers, we're not defined by weakness. We are defined by grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
This is the last verse in Philippians. And we've come full circle. It's key that we understand that the yours is plural when it says your spirit. But the spirit is singular. One spirit to hold us all together. To bind us to each other. To bind us to Christ. We share in this same spirit and we rest under this same grace. So this being, this being a Christian lark, it can't be a private thing. It can't be just about me being fixed. It has to be rooted in who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's about being the people of God in our practice, in the way we live, in the way we relate to the world. That was the question we started with. Can we be a people who trust in God's goodness, committed to sharing his grace? Before I close, um, I want to read a poem by St. Teresa of Avila. It speaks to this. She was a 16th century nun born in Spain. And you, you may have heard it before. It's titled, Christ Has No Body. It challenges me a great deal. I'm not sure I completely agree with all of it. But here goes. Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. It's good to be reminded that the Lord does want to act through us. And we're not going to worry about the outcome. We are free from that. We're also free from the individual guilt or shame when we are not consistent in the way we share his grace, when we don't live up to our status. It's good to remember that this is a collective activity. We're meant to do this life together. You're meant to be holding me up when my knees go weak, and likewise are you. So we will live as a people defined by grace, and when needed, we will take each other by the hand so that we can stand and our feet will instantly be made strong. Friends, we're not meant to be a collection of perfect people. But going forward, can we commit to take our place in the communion of saints? Because that 
is who we are. And one final time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit.